All right, well, happy Easter, everybody. So glad you guys are with us today and want to say a special shout out to our Central Family locations. Want to welcome the Central Summerlin family. Always great to have you guys with us. Big shout out to Central Kingman. Grateful for you. Uh, big shout out to uh, Central Southern Highlands and Central Sunrise Mountain. Thank you guys for joining us. Those who are watching online, thanks for being with us. And always a uh, special welcome to those who are joining us in different prison facilities around the country and our partnership with God Behind Bars. Thank you guys for being with us today. Well, I wonder how many of you would describe yourselves as morning people. Who are the morning people? Just show of hands. All right, the morning people. You love the morning. I mean, when the sun comes up, you wake up, you're excited. You don't, you haven't needed an alarm clock for a long time. You just set it to set it, but you don't really need it because you're going to wake up at the same time anyway, no matter what. And I don't know about you, but for me, my mom was a morning person. I'm a morning person. She tortured me with this song every morning when I was a kid. I torture my kids with this song in the morning. I walk in and I sing, oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I've got a wonderful feeling. Everything's going my way. Come on, morning people. My kids think I have uh, significant um, issues in my life because I feel like the best part of the day is before the sun comes up, if you know what I'm saying. Only the morning people get that. All right. How many of you would say you're night people, you're, you're night owls? You come alive at night. That's right. You can do advanced calculus on how many times you can hit snooze on your phone and still get up and get to where you need to get, right? Like that's just, you don't, you don't come alive until, until midnight. You know, your song might be a little something like this. Some of you can, can help me out with this, a little Lionel Richie. Uh, all night long, remember that? All night long, all night long. And then what does he say? He says, uh, we're gonna party, karamu, fiesta, forever. Right, you know, like. That's what some of you, that's, you know, you're, you're night people. That's how you're wired up. Now, I'm a morning person. My entire life, I've been around night owls. My wife's a night owl. My son's a night owl. My daughter's a night owl. Uh, even in college, my primary job was to wake everybody up in my dorm floor, which, let me just tell you, it's the worst job you could possibly imagine. But my sweet mate in college was a guy named Justin. Justin um, was brilliant, but he had a hard time going to sleep at night and an even harder time waking up in the morning. And so he would beg me to wake him up, particularly on test days, so that he didn't oversleep and miss his tests, right? And so this was a guy that um, he would wake up and, you know, his alarm would go off. And this was before phones. This was old school alarms, you know, that you had to plug in. Can you imagine? And um, he would wake up and he would go over and even though he was still asleep, he would unplug the alarm clock and get back in bed and never even be aware that this has happened. Can some of you relate to this? You know exactly what it's like. He doesn't even know he does it. So he eventually um, took all the buttons off of the top of the alarm clock so he couldn't hit snooze. There's no way to get it to stop. You had to have a tool to get the thing turned off. And then he put batteries in it so that if he unplugged it and he was in his sleep, it would continue to go off and he duct taped it shut. 
And even that didn't wake him up. It woke me up next door. And I'm like, dude, turn the alarm clock off. He just left it on. So at one point he would beg us before we go to bed. I got a big test tomorrow. You guys do whatever it takes to wake me up. I'm like, what do you mean whatever it takes? Whatever it takes. I said, you mean like water in the face, water in the face, ice, ice. I said, duct tape on the legs, duct tape on the legs. That's exactly what we did too. I got a bunch of my buddies and we went in there. We put ice on him, water on him. He's still like asleep. And then we got the duct tape out, baby. Laid that up his leg and ripped that sucker up. It was awesome. (laughs) At one point we dumped him out of his mattress onto the bed, dumped his mattress on top of him and he fell asleep underneath the mattress. This was my college experience trying to wake my friend up. And it just, I didn't know God was getting me ready to have teenagers. Come on, somebody, right? This was gonna be my lot in life for a long, long time. But I bring it up because it's hard to wake up for a lot of us in the morning. It's hard to get up and get going. And I think the same can be true in our spiritual lives. It's possible from a spiritual standpoint to find ourselves sort of sleepwalking, not really awake. Listen, just being alive doesn't mean you're living. Right? You can get up, go to work, see the same old people, deal with the same old problems, get in the same old car, drive the same old way back to your same old house or apartment, go in the same old space, eat the same old food, sit in the same old chair, watch the same old Netflix, go to the same old bed, go to sleep, hear the same old alarm go off in the morning, get up and do it all over again. And you can do that week in and week out, and eventually you can just kind of get numb to everything, and it's just sort of like you're going through the motions, and now, you know, you're, you're alive, but it doesn't mean you're living. And I think sometimes we kind of have this sense that we're going through life, but there's not a lot of life going through us. And so Easter is a great wake-up call for us to remember that Christ came and lived and died and rose again 2,000 years ago, not only for our forgiveness and for our salvation, but also that because, so that we could live in what the Bible calls a resurrection life today, so that we can have more life flowing through us in our lives today. So I want to look with you at this great Easter scripture in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 14. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 14, and the Apostle Paul is writing to a group of believers in the city of Ephesus, the book of Ephesians, and in chapter 5, he quotes what many commentators believe was probably like an Easter song that the early faith community would sing, and he quotes a line from that. It's a fascinating line, and the way we do this at Central, we'll bring it up on the screens, I'll read it out loud, just follow along here with me. When we get to the highlighted word, I'm going to ask you to read it out loud. That's how we make sure everybody is awake to stay on our theme. All right, here we go. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning of verse 14. It says, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you what? Light. Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead. Now, understand that this letter in the Bible was written to people that were already people of faith. So they already believed in God. Many of them had already uh, trusted Christ in their personal life. They had gone on a faith journey in their life. But it's possible to believe in God and still find yourself sort of numb and asleep spiritually. Come on, somebody. It's possible to say all the right things and to have had a religious experience at some point in your life, but to be sort of sleepwalking in this season of your life. And so... Paul gives this powerful Easter message and he tells us, it's on us. He says, wake up, 
Wake up, awake, O sleeper. He tells us to rise up from the dead. Rise up, and what will happen? Christ will give you light. Listen, when you, when you wake up to God, you rise up to new life. When you wake up to God, you rise up to new life. And so Easter's a challenge for us to ask ourselves, are we awake? Are we living with eyes wide open? Are we aware that God loves us? Because you can go through life and just be kind of oblivious to the fact that God loves you, that God has a purpose for you, that God has a plan for you. But the reverse is true too. When you wake up to that, all of a sudden you can find yourself living on mission. All of a sudden those same tasks that you do every day have a whole new level of significance. You find yourself in conversations with people that you can't even explain. You find yourself helping people that you didn't even plan on helping. And these coincidences start happening. People start flowing in and out of your life. And, you're, and then you start realizing, oh, but that's not a coincidence because you're waking up to God. So first challenge for us today is to simply wake up to the good news, to wake up to the good news. There's a blog out there called The Sleep Talking Man. And it's a blog that a wife writes, and it's basically what her husband says in his sleep that he's completely unaware of. How'd you like to have a blog of this? Scary, right? But he says some funny stuff. Some of it doesn't make any sense. Like this one. This was one of her, her posts. Uh, this is what her husband said in the middle of the night. It was such a good idea giving the guinea pigs wings. Flappy, flappy, flappy. Fat bats, fat bats. <laughs> Just like makes no sense. Random. A few others of these uh, the things that he says make it a little closer to the truth. Uh, let's bring up the next one here. He says, in the middle, middle of the sleep, he says, shh, shh. I'm telling you, your voice, my ears, a bad combination. <laughs> he better be glad he was asleep for that one, right? Come on. All right, one more. This is the bonus. He says, your mom is at the door again. Bury me. Bury me deep. <laughs> oh. I'll never forget when my wife, Lori, about two or three in the morning, I woke up and, and, and she was asleep. And I've never heard her do this before or since. But I kid you not, dead asleep, she just out of nowhere says, if we steal it, they will catch us. <laughs> my sweet wife. I, you know, if anybody like doesn't speed, you know, comes to a complete stop at the stop sign. It's my wife, me, I'm going right around that sucker, you know, like I'm pushing the envelope. So I leaned over to her and I said, it's okay, Lori, go ahead, steal it. <laughs> They'll never know. I thought I helped the dream along, right? It went to a James Bond dream, you know, after that. But when you were asleep, you're disconnected from reality, right? You're just sort of not connected to what's going on. And I think the same is true in our lives. When, we, when we're sleepwalking spiritually, we get disconnected from the reality of who God is and what he wants to do in our heart and lives. And I was thinking about my own life because I've had seasons where while I believe in God, obviously, and I've trusted Christ as my savior, I haven't always been intentional to stay awake to God in my life and be intentional about realizing God is moving and working in my life. And when I think about my life, a few things happen when I no longer sort of stay awake to God. One thing is my heart starts to get smaller and smaller. My compassion level starts to go down. My give a care meter 
right, starts to drop. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, you know, like I just, I just stop caring as much, right? And, I, and then I find that I, I get really focused on my own performance and my own perfectionism starts sort of coming out. I get really critical of myself and critical of others. And, you know, I get judgmental towards others. And all of this, I think, is a reflection of what's happening in my heart and in my life spiritually. And um, eventually things get smaller and smaller and smaller until my life starts to become all about who? <laughs> Me. Listen, if you want to be miserable, make your life all about you. But the opposite can be true as well. Because when I wake up to God, my heart gets bigger and bigger and bigger. My compassion level begins to rise. My give a care level gets much higher, right? When I'm awake to God, I'm not so sensitive to criticism from others because I already know what God says about me and I'm resting in who God says I am. I'm not walking around getting offended by everything everybody says and getting all bent out of shape about things that don't even matter because I know I have a God who's watching out for me and taking care of me. Listen, I don't have to always look out for number one because I have a God who is number one who is looking out for me. And when I'm awake to that, when I'm awake to that, man, my heart gets bigger. I fundamentally realize that life is not about me. It's about God. And I want to give my life away to others. And that's where happiness is found. That's where peace and joy is found. So this Easter is a reminder We come together, we remember that Jesus died on a cross 2,000 years ago, that he rose again. The Bible calls it good news, or the word gospel, which just means good news. In fact, here's how Paul would describe it in Ephesians chapter five, uh, Ephesians chapter two, uh, a few chapters before Ephesians chapter five, he puts it this way. He says, but God is so rich in mercy. This is awesome. So rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us what? Life. What was the resurrection all about? He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. See, Jesus rose up so that you could one day rise up. Jesus rose so that you could experience life, right? And and then he says, it's only by grace that you have been saved. That's undeserved favor. That's the goodness and kindness of God in our life. That is good news. Turn to the person next to you and say, I got good news. You got good news. And listen, good news is not the same as good advice, right? You know, good advice, that's one thing, and you might take that advice, it might help your life, but good news is an announcement about something that's happened in the past that can fundamentally change your life in the present. That's the kind of news that we're talking about. You're not gonna find this kind of good news on CNN or Fox or on the, on, you know, on the internet. You're not gonna find this news in all your news feeds that pop up. In fact, you're not gonna find much good news at all, right? But Easter reminds us that we have a good news and it's bigger than politics, it's bigger than countries, it's bigger than the last 50 years or 100 years, it's thousands of years, it's God working and moving, bringing about his plan to fulfillment. It's the fact that through faith in Christ, you can be forgiven and free. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, no matter where you come from, no matter how you self-identify, out of faith in Christ, when you place your trust in him, right? 
When you trust him in your life, Bible says this miraculous transfer happens and the righteousness of Christ gets transferred to your account. Bible says you're now in Christ, you're united with him. And that just as Christ was crucified and rose again, we now can walk in a newness of life. And that's all simply received through faith in our life. That's why he says it's, it's grace, it's undeserved favor. So here's what happens. When you and I believe the good news that Jesus came and lived and died and rose again, what we just read in Ephesians chapter two, that God was so rich in mercy that he loved us so much that he sent his son who died and ultimately he raised him to life so that we could have life. When we believe the good news, the Bible says we're forgiven from our sins. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit to bring comfort and guidance to us in our life. We become part of a church family. We ultimately have the hope of eternal life. We have purpose and meaning, and we have a different perception of ourselves. I love what um, a friend of mine, Hosanna Wong, wrote in this little piece that she put together called I Have a New Name. And it's really just all about how the good news, when you believe it, starts to change how you see yourself and how you see your life. Here's what she says. She says, uh, my name is not the name the world calls me. My name is not the name my past calls me. My name is not even the name my own mirror calls me. But my name is the name I answer to. And I can choose today to answer to a new name. When I hear lonely, that's not me. When I hear disgusting, that's not me. When I hear unworthy, I don't even look over my shoulder. When I hear broken, they must have me confused. Listen, when you stop answering to your old names, they stop having power over you. So she says, the names that my father, eternity's author, and the world's creator has called me are the only names that I will answer to. When I hear friend of God, that's my name. When I hear God's workmanship, that's my name. Chosen, that's my name. Loved, wanted, created with a purpose, that's my name. God's temple, that's my name. God's messenger, that's my name. Free, that's my name. Child of God, you must be looking for me. Greatly loved, you must be calling for me. Brand new, that's my name. That's the name I respond to. The enemy has no power here. Perfect love casts out fear and perfect love has named you and me. And as for me, my name is forgiven. My name is free. My name is brand new, loved, wanted, child of God, created with purpose. And it's been a pleasure to meet you. That's the good news. So my question for you today is simply this. Are you awake to it? Are you awake to it? Are you living in awareness of it? Are you allowing the good news to cause you to live as somebody who's forgiven, to live as somebody who's free, to live as somebody who isn't paralyzed with fear and worry because you overcome your fear and worry with faith and trust? Are you alive and awake to God? Paul's saying, wake up, O sleeper, wake up. Let rise up from the dead and let Christ give you light. When you wake up to God, you rise up to new life. And that's the second principle I wanna share with you today to rise up to new life, a life that's characterized by worship and purpose and gratitude. Uh, a while back, some friends of ours 
gave us the awesome opportunity to travel to Hawaii where they were having a family wedding and I got to officiate as a pastor at this wedding. And we'd never been to Honolulu, and so it was really cool, you know, got on the plane at Los Angeles International Airport and we're excited and the plane takes off and everything's going great the first hour and we're just cruising along. And then they come over the speaker system on the plane and they say, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're having a little bit of an issue in the back of the plane. We need you to just remain in your seat everything will be fine, mahalo. Now, mahalo is this sweet little Hawaiian word that just means like thanks and gratitude, right? And it just makes everything feel better. I remember thinking like, oh, mahalo. It's all cool, right? So we fly on a little longer and then it sort of feels like the plane's changing direction and they come over the speaker system and they're like, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna have to head back to LAX now. We're like an hour into our flight. We're out over the ocean. We're gonna have to head back to LAX at this point. We're having a little bit of a situation. Everything will be fine. Mahalo. I'm like, mahalo. So we turn around, we go back, we land, then they come over the speaker system again. Ladies and gentlemen, the police are about to step onto the plane, law enforcement. Uh, we ask you to just remain in your seat and please remain calm. Mahalo. <laughs> sure enough, these cops come on the plane, they walk down, they take this guy off. I found out later, because it was national news, that this guy threw a fit because the blankets cost $12. And at one point in the midst of getting so irate and throwing a fit, he started to threaten the flight attendant and told her he was gonna take her out behind the woodshed. And just FYI, I guess when you tell a flight attendant you're gonna take him out behind the woodshed, they just turn the plane around and just take it back and land. Because I'm like, dude, I would have bought you 30 blankets if we did not have to turn this plane around and do this all over again, right? So the guy leaves, they're like, okay, everything will be fine. We're gonna take off soon, you know, now that this individual has been escorted off the plane. Mahalo, okay. And then sure enough, you know, a little while later they come on, they say, ladies and gentlemen, we just need to apologize that the food was already heated that we were planning to serve and it can't be reheated. It's against health code regulations. So there'll be no food on this flight. Mahalo. <laughs> then they come over, ladies and gentlemen, the flight crew is now timed out and they can no longer uh, go the extent of this flight and what it will take. So we're gonna have to schedule another flight crew, but we'll get another flight crew here soon and we'll get off the ground, mahalo. And again, now we're going to need to ask you to get off the plane, but because we're in the outer lot at LAX, we're gonna put you on a shuttle and then we're gonna drive you to the airport where you are going to wait and um, we're going to provide a free meal for you, mahalo. And this went on for five more hours until we finally got on that flight and took off and started to go to uh, Hawaii, where we had a blast and you know it was a great time with our friends and all that. But I tell you that story because I think that's what life feels like a lot. You just wanna get from point A to point B. You just wanna get to your destination, right? You just wanna get to whatever goal you've set. You wanna get to whatever financial marker you've set for your life. You wanna get to whatever sort of degree, educational marker you've set for your life. All you're trying to do is get from here to there. And doesn't life feel like that sometimes? Other people get in the way. Other people throw fits over things that don't matter like $12 blankets and it affects your life. Everything gets sort of turned around and turned inside out. You just want to move forward, but you're stuck in a holding pattern. And here's what I've learned. No matter where you're at in your life, this flight taught me if you just put mahala on the end of it, <laughs> the whole trip will go so much smoother. 
Mahalo. So now, no matter what happens in our life, what's going on in the family, you know, I walk in, my dog's having some incontinence issues, and, you know, every morning I get to wake up and find out what she left for me today. Yes, we put diapers on them. Yes, she works all night to get them off. Mahalo. Mahalo. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter five, verse 18, about how we can rise up into this new life. I want you to notice a few things. He says, first of all, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be what? Filled, you see that? Be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual <laughs> Mahalo. Thank you. All right. So, so the first thing to pull out here is that this is not like a prohibition against all alcohol or drinking. He's just saying, look, he's talking about who you let control yourself. You need to see the analogy, right? So he says, don't get, if you get drunk, somebody else's control is in control. Something else is in control. Like for instance, you, you know, you've, we've all been at a party or somewhere along the way and seen that person who's had too much to drink, right? They just, they went too far. They start singing karaoke. They're doing things that they're going to be embarrassed by the next day, right? You know, like what's happening? Alcohol is sort of in control in that moment. Paul says, Paul saying in a similar way, don't let alcohol control you. Instead, be filled with God's spirit. Or it could be translated this way. Let the Holy Spirit fill you in your life. It's not like we have to do a lot of things. We just have to be open and surrender to say, God, fill me, guide me. I'm awake to you. Lead me in my life. Let the Holy Spirit fill you. Now, if you become a follower of Jesus, I believe that you uh, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and that that Holy Spirit, that gift stays with you the rest of your life. But what's interesting is while the sealing of the Holy Spirit is continue is, is one time and sort of permanent, the filling of the Holy Spirit is something we're commanded to do again and again and again. In other words, we need to be filled on a daily basis with God's Spirit because we leak. We leak. Now let's bring that scripture back up that we were just looking at. It says, don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. How do you know if you're, you're being filled? Well, he gives us some examples. You're, you're singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. You're making music to the Lord in your hearts. That's why when we come together, we worship and we sing. It's one of the ways that, that God fills us in our lives. And then look at this. Give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mahalo. But mahalo to God. When you give thanks and praise in your life to God, even when things are bad, man, it makes such a difference in your life today. And it's one of the greatest indicators that you're living in the new life when your heart's filled with gratitude. So friends, I don't know where you're at today. But the resurrection reminds us if we will wake up to God, we can rise up to new life, a life filled with purpose, a life filled with God's spirit, a life filled with his love, a life filled with gratitude. That sounds pretty good to me. Friends, you may feel like you've been knocked down, but I want you to know Jesus rose so that you can rise. 
He can raise you up even when others have pushed you down. He can raise you up even when others have written you off. He can raise you up when others have discriminated against you. He can raise you up out of your depression. He can raise you up out of your frustration. He can raise you up out of your family dysfunction. He can raise you up out of your loneliness. He can raise you up out of your despair. He can raise you up when you're not even sure which way is up. Jesus rose so you could rise. Jesus rose so that we could be forgiven and free, but also so that we could walk in newness of life today. Wake up, O sleeper. Let Christ's light shine on you. That's exactly what happened in the lives of some of my friends. I'd love to introduce them to you now in this next song. They're going to share their story. Skyler, and growing up, I struggled with the thought that I would only be loved if I was successful. In high school, my self-worth was so unhealthy that I developed an eating disorder. Three years ago, I finally surrendered my insecurities to God and learned to truly love myself through Him. I no longer feel unworthy. I am more than enough. My name is Arvin, and I've suffered from depression to the point that self-harm was something I thought I deserved. It wasn't until I started trusting Christ to be my healer that I was able to overcome that negativity. I now have a strong community at Central and find my joy in the Lord. I'm no longer depressed. I am a child of God. of God, I got out 12 years early. 
one month later, I met the love of my life and God brought us to Central. I'm no longer in bondage. I've been forgiven. My name is Miranda Triplett. In 2012, my husband and I started attending Central because we were broken and lost. We kept showing up and seven months later, we got baptized together and gave our lives to Christ. Through Christ, my husband became such an honorable man. In February of 2016, my husband Wendell was diagnosed with esophageal cancer. Even though he fought as hard as he could, he passed away two months ago. My kids lost the most incredible father that day and I lost my best friend but I refuse to be stuck in depression and sadness. I want to share our story and tell people about the hope we have in Jesus. Even though Wendell is not here with us, we know that he's alive with Jesus. Please be seated for just a moment. Well, just like so many of my friends who shared their story, by the way, none of those were actors. Those are everyday people, just like you, just like me, right around here, that God has done a work in their life. And it doesn't mean your life will be perfect. It doesn't mean you won't go through hard times and difficulties as we've just seen and heard. But it does mean you won't go through it alone when you're a person of faith. You have the comfort of God's spirit within you. You have God's people around you. You have community. 
So I never want to let a moment go by where uh, somebody who may feel like it's time to come home to God kind of doesn't have that opportunity. So I'd love to give you just an opportunity to reach out to God. You know, Paul says, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead. Let Christ give you light. And I'd love to lead you in a simple prayer that could just allow you to do just that. So would you please close your eyes, bow your head, and if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus today, you can begin that journey by repeating after me to say, Dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. Friends, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I want to ask you to just slip your hand in the air wherever you're at. Just reach out to God and acknowledge you're going to follow him in your life. Just slip your hand in the air. Just wake up to him today. God, we thank you for your love. I thank you for each person reaching out to you and I pray you'll fill their life with your goodness, your kindness, your peace, your forgiveness. God, we thank you for the privilege of knowing you and loving you. We're grateful together and celebrate this Easter. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Listen, if you made a spiritual commitment in your life, I just want to tell you congratulations. We're thrilled for you. Uh, We'd love to give you a couple things that could help you mark this moment, something you'll never forget. One, we want to give you a journal we've created uh, called the New Beginnings Journal. Looks just like this. Uh, It's a great resource. Doesn't cost you anything just to help you over the next days and weeks as a person of faith and a follower of Jesus kind of know how to move forward in your faith. We also want to give you this cross that you see there, uh, just a pendant, something you can hang on to, to remember that this was the day where you surrendered your life to God and uh, placed your faith and trust in Jesus. And so after our experience uh, across all of our locations, all you need to do is go to the New Beginnings area, and we would love to give you a journal and a cross as a way of kind of marking this moment in your life. Well, at this time, um, I'm going to ask you to put our hands together for our location pastors who are going to come out and talk us through the rest of the experience. What an incredible message from Pastor Judd. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today, I just want to say congratulations and let you know it is one of the best decisions you'll ever make. In fact, this Easter, we have a resource that we would love to send you. It's called a New Beginnings Journal. We'd love to send you a digital copy of that, as well as a special Easter at Central Cross pin, just as a remembrance of the decision that you are making today. You can go to centralonline.tv slash welcome. Make sure to check the box that says, I raise my hand, and we will send you that right away. Well, we hope you can join us next week as we kick off our brand new series, House Rules. Share this experience with your friends and family. But as you go through this week, remember to hang on to what Romans 8 says. If God is for us, who can be against us? Happy Easter.